concept of, of fishing is entwined into the Gospels because the original disciples that Jesus chose, their natural occupation was fishing. He said to them when he called them, he said, I will make you to become fishers of men. I'm going to use what you have been doing in the natural to show you what I want you to do in a greater kingdom, in something bigger. This is after Jesus had resurrected. They had already seen him. They had already witnessed his resurrected body. And in verse or chapter 21, verse number 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this manner showed he himself. This was the seventh distinct time that he had been seen post-resurrection. They were together, Simon, Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. Somebody say, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a boat immediately, and that night they caught nothing. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any food? They said unto him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now there were not, they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. I, I want to uh, speak just a few moments. Uh, I won't be long, but from this uh, thought of the mission of the church, the mission of the church, the mission of the church. Now, I think all of us understand in some aspect, and, and I'm not going to tell you something new today. I'm just going to try to call to remembrance and, and to stir us up by way of remembrance, as Paul would say, of the duty and the mission of the church. Because I'm afraid in so many aspects, as we've talked about the, the last few weeks, we, we talked from Matthew chapter 11, and Jesus asked the, the multitude, he said of John, what went you to see? And he, and he asked them three times what they went to see, and then he would answer them. And then he goes on to say that, that when I look at the generation here, I'm, I'm not sure what you want. I'm not sure what you're after because the pipers have piped and you've not danced and the harps have been played and you have not mourned. You, you remember, I don't want to re-preach that. Uh, but he, he said, I'm not sure what, what you're after. I'm not sure what, what you want. And, and so he was trying to, to show them that there was a transition in, into something greater. There was a transition out of, of religion in, into relationship there there was a transition out of, of living the law to having the law inwardly to to not just 
a worshiping outwardly but having something living on the inside and so he spent three and a half years in in ministry trying to instruct his disciples and the multitudes what was going on and it was a constant battle i don't i don't think ladies and gentlemen that the battle is much different now than what it was then I think the battle parallels because it, it. I think the church has come to a place where we have become satisfied doing churchy things, and 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 then people get bored with doing churchy things. See, I believe there's a joy that comes from living for God. I, I believe there's a joy that ought to be in our hearts and in our lives see the bible talks about that with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation amen and i think the dichotomy that that we experience is 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 that we get caught up doing doing the churchy things and not doing the mission of the church now there's, there's a lot going on here. When you look at the disciples, they had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They had given up their earthly careers. They had walked away from, from their natural, physical life that they were accustomed to and began to follow Jesus. They heard the teachings. They watched the miracles. They seen all these things happen. And then suddenly, this Jesus, this master that that they have been following this rabbi that they've been sitting at his feet and listening to him teach all of a sudden is extracted from them he he is is taken from them and they watch from a distance as this one that claimed to be the messiah this one that claimed to be the christ is now hanging on a cross and it would seem that all of their their hopes and all of their future has been nailed to the cross with this Christ. And, and, and they watch in amazement as all these things happen. And then suddenly, he reappears. I mean, think about that, ladies and gentlemen. No doubt they had... They had been by and they had seen people put in sepulchers and tombs and, and, and been sealed behind stones. And, and they walked away never to see them again. And yet now this one that a few hours ago they had seen him crucified on a cross is now standing in front of them. You know, like you know, I'd have been, I'd have been getting my jive on. I've been just really, you know, going after it. Yeah, think about it. What would you do if somebody that had been just deceased a few hours ago is now standing again in front of you? Yeah, run. Be getting out of there. And and, and so. They, they witness him and, and they see him and, and then again they see him when Thomas is, is with him because someone had told Thomas, now, now we can fault Thomas for being a doubter, but most of us probably would have been in the same place Thomas was. Hey, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Right. 
He said, I will not believe until till I, I see with my eyes, until I see the nail prints. And so it's a few hours later, they're again in a room, and Jesus appears in the midst of them. And, and, and he specifically says, Thomas, behold the nail prints, and put your hand in the wound in my side. And, and we all rejoice with Thomas when he falls to the ground and says, my Lord and my God. There's a lot going on. And they're trying to process all of this. See, some of you are still trying to process the new life that Christ is giving you. Some of you are trying to make sense of what really is going on. You, you realize it's more than just going to church. It's more than just worshiping. There's something bigger going on. And you're right. There is something bigger going on. And so, in the process of all this, Peter, can, can you think with me just for a moment? Peter's he's, he's probably shaking his head saying, what in the world is happening? And he said, there's only one place that I can really think. I'm going fishing. And Thomas and James and John and Andrew and Philip said, well, if you're going fishing, we're going with you. Isn't it nice to always have somebody with you? And I began to look at who was with Peter. You know, Peter, when you begin to look at the disposition of these guys for a moment, when Peter, if Peter didn't think too much of you, he, he could really tell you off. And he could throw in a, a few profanities to make it more intense. So here he is, he's the leader of the band, and then you have James and John. Think about James and John. I mean, they were really good church folk. They wanted to call fire down and consume the Samaritans. Some of you are still struggling with that yourself. And then you had Thomas, the doubter. You had Nathaniel the skeptic. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Then you had Andrew, and really the only one that 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 really had had really begun to reach out was was Philip because he went and found Nathaniel. And so here's the crew that's on the, the boat that day. And and they're all adding their two cents. They're all and 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 they're fishing and they're not catching anything. And what I came to tell you today is they, the Bible said they, they went and they found a ship. And let me just draw some spiritual parallels real quickly here. The ship I liken to the church. Can I tell you today there's nothing wrong with the church? There's nothing wrong with the church. The church is all right. The church is going to make it. The church has been through the water and the water couldn't drown it. It's been through the fire and the fire couldn't burn it. It's been fed to the lions and the lions couldn't eat it. I want to, you to know today that the church is all right. The church is going to make it. The church is going to sail through this world. It's a glorious church. It's a church without spot, blemish, or any other thing. It's, it's a glorious church. It's a wonderful church. And what they were using to fish with was nets. Let me liken that to the gospel. 
nothing wrong with the gospel. The gospel still works. The gospel will change the life of the most vile of people. Nothing wrong with the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection, it still works, ladies and gentlemen. The gospel introduces men and women to faith. The gospel introduces men and women to a loving Savior. The gospel still works. But I think the problem in the scenario today was the fishermen. I, I thought that was a, a true but comical little animated video that I wanted you to see today because I, th I think it really speaks a lot about the church. We know the mission of the church, but we talk about the mission of the church. We, we talk about what we're called to do. We're, we talk about the responsibilities of the church. But we spend a lot of time talking about it and not doing it. We're called to go beyond. The Great Commission of the Scripture is the same. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said the gospel shall be preached in every nation for a witness, and then shall the end come. I think the church has lost something because we become more concerned about how the church is serving me. Can, can I just get a little down and dirty today for a few moments because I feel like after a week of prayer and fasting that God is calling this church to go back to the mission of the church and the mission of the church is not to make perfect people. The church is not to make theologians. The church is not to make a holiness culture that everybody conforms to. The mission of the church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You say, but I'm not a preacher. Oh, yes, you are. We, we, we leave all the ministry in the church up to one person or two people that stand behind a pulpit and preach to us week after week. And we've come to the place that we have to placate ourselves and patronize ourselves and get everybody excited. But back to Matthew 11. We piped and you hadn't danced. We've harped and you haven't mourned. But God sent me here after a week of prayer and fasting to tell the church, uh, we've got to get back to the mission of the church. Uh, the mission of the church uh, is not for us to come inside of four walls uh, and enjoy a little bit of music and a little bit of preaching. That's part of it, ladies and gentlemen. But when you study the five-fold ministry out of Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible said that it is given to equip the saints. It's given to prepare us to go outside of these walls. See, ladies and gentlemen, the world needs to hear a church that is stepping outside of a building with a gospel that still saves and reaches and delivers people. That's what the mission of the church is about. Jesus would finally get down in this, in this story here and and I'm going through just a lot of stuff very quickly because of, for the sake of time. But he would finally get down here and, and he, first of all, let me, let me deal with this. He, he asked them, have you caught any fish? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real today. As, as pastor of the church, one of the things that concerns me greatly 
is that we're not having near the conversions that we ought to have. If I read in the book of Acts, the book of Acts said that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It concerns me as a pastor that we're not having conversions like we ought to have conversions. But the Bible said that they, somebody say that, that includes me. They went everywhere preaching Jesus. They went everywhere preaching Jesus. It was not just the apostles, ladies and gentlemen. It was not just the twelve. It was the church. It was the entire church. And the Bible said that they, say that's including me, went everywhere preaching Jesus. And the Lord worked with them, confirming His word with signs following. He asked them, have you any fish? When the Lord asked me in prayer and fasting this week, have you had any conversions lately? I had to say, no. And he said, well, it's time to cast the nets on the other side of the boat. It's time to cast the nets on the other side of the boat. See, in our will that, that everybody is saved, sometimes we spend so much time trying to clean people up and trying to make people to become disciples. When we're missing other fish, I'm not saying that, that we need to start profiling people and, and decide, well, I give up on you. you, you you're not going to make it. No. We're going to reach for people. We're going to love people. But we're also going to reach outside of this building because there's people on the outside of this building that needs to hear the same message that we hear Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. It's a message of hope. Oh, we shout about deliverance in here, but we're not taking the message on the outside in where we go to work on, the, on Monday and say, I want to tell you about the message of hope and deliverance that I heard yesterday. I want you to know that the same message I heard is applicable to you, that Jesus can save you. Jesus can deliver you. Jesus can take your life, uh, pick you up, turn you around, give you something to live for. Ladies and gentlemen, the mission of the church uh, is to ever be reaching. Well, I, I was I was called I was called to repair fishing poles. That that's not my job. We're all called. We're not called to save anybody. I can't save anybody today. I can't fill anybody with the Spirit. But I can at least tell them about it. The Bible said that we're salt and light. I can salt their tongue so they'll go looking for water. I can shine a light in a dark place so that they'll go looking for the light, the substance of the light. And the substance of the light is Jesus Christ. And so he said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. See, 
as a pastor, I'm going to let you in on some insight on a pastor today. On a, as a pastor, I'm always looking for what other churches are doing. What, what are they doing to, to grow? What are they doing to, to progress? What, and, and, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the problems is, is we see something work in one place, and so we say, we'll bring that here, and we bring it here, and it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because God did not intend that for that to work here. There is a plan for Seven Cities Church that will work. And it does not include copying what somebody else is doing. There may be nobody in the world doing it. But if God wants us to do it, then we need to start doing it. There, there's a lot of talk about, you know, message and methods. And, and I do believe that we, we ought to be concerned with that, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that there are methods that will work here that won't work anywhere else. But just changing the message methods does not mean something's going to work. Well, we'll try this and we'll try that. And we spend all of our time chasing things that somebody else is doing that God didn't. See, here's one of the big problems is, is we, we start doing something and then we want God to validate it. And God never told us to do it in the first place. And so let me hasten. So Jesus gets a little further and he, he pulls Peter aside. And he said, Peter, I got a question for you. I know you love fish. I know you love fish, but do you love these more than you love me? Do you, do you, do you love the physical more than you love me? Well, yeah, Lord. You know, I, I love you more than these. I left them three and a half years ago. I walked away from them to become a fisher of men. But I wasn't sure how that was all working out. Here's one of the problems. A lot of times, when we're not sure of things, we have a propensity to go back to the place we're most comfortable. The, the place we're most familiar with. And God is calling Seven Cities Church out of the familiar, out of the comfort, to become a catalyst in the earth today. Unequivocally, I tell you today that He is calling us to become more than just a group of people that polish one another and try to perfect one another. Can I tell you something today? In your Christian walk, and let me help you right now. In your Christian walk, you will never be perfect. You will never get it all together. I am only made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. I am justified through faith and if you're waiting till you get perfect 
And here's what my last point that I want to tell you. God will use you in your imperfections. God wants to use you in your imperfections. Paul said, I had a thorn. I'm ready for Jeremy. Paul said, I had a thorn. And he said, I thought, sought God three times to take this thorn out of my life to remove this painful area of my life we don't know what it is he never elaborated what it was but he said the third time God came to me and says to me my grace is sufficient can I tell someone today that God's grace is sufficient in your weak areas of your life can I tell you today that if God doesn't make up the difference, ladies and gentlemen, none of us are qualified to ever be used as a fisherman in his kingdom. Can I tell you today that every one of us from the front to the back, from side to side, need that grace that makes us sufficient? He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He gives you grace to help in time of need he said I want to tell you Paul that it's in weakness that you're made strong some of you are trying to act strong and say well if I act strong then I can be used no it's in your weakness that God intensifies his strength in you it's in your weakness that God hey ladies and gentlemen start celebrating your weaknesses because that's where God can use you there are people on the outside of this church uh, that are dealing with the same weaknesses that you're dealing with and you will become a catalyst of healing and resurrection power and grace to minister to minister to minister my, my strength is made perfect in weakness it was a prophet who said let the weak say I am strong let, let the weak say I'm strong Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 he said I've learned I've learned some things I think it's time that we learn some things Paul said I've learned something Paul what did, what did you learn he said I've learned that in life I'm going to have some, 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 some good times, ups. I'm going to have some ups. And he said, I've, I've learned that in life I'm going to have some, some downs. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to have some ups, and I'm going to have some downs. He said, I've learned that I'm going to have some times where people like me, and I'm going to have some people where, or some times where people don't think much of me. He said, I, I, I've learned that in life I will be abased and, and in life I will be exalted. I, I've learned that in life I, 
I will have times when there's enough and then I've learned in life there's some times when there's never enough. I've learned. But he said, here's what I've learned through it all. Whether good time or bad, whether exaltation or abasement, I've learned to be content. I've learned and I've found just an even keel, whether, whether life is on top or whether life's on top of me. I've learned just to be content because it comes to pass. It doesn't come to stay. Sometimes there's seed time and sometimes there's harvest. And he said, I've learned that through it all. I just know that God's faithful. And I've learned to be content. And with food, raiment, and shelter, hey, life doesn't get much better than that. Life, life's good. And that's when he said, I can do all things through Christ. What you saying, Paul? I can walk through difficulty or I can walk through ease. I've learned that we, regardless of circumstances, I can just get through it through Christ. I can make it through Christ. I come to tell somebody, you can make it through Christ. Whether good or bad or ugly, you can make it through Christ. I've learned. I've learned that He gives me strength when I'm weak and He gives me joy in, in other times. I've just learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 